are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hi, everyone. It's Jesse. So this week is supposed to be, you know, it's the last week of the month and it's supposed to be me, you know, interviewing one of my friends that I have in my real life. So I have so many episodes recorded for this season that I went ahead and just slid an interview in this week. But what I did is I picked someone who's now a friend. Rachel, can I say we're friends? So since I recorded this episode with Rachel, I now have her phone number so I could text her. I could text her right now and tell her I'm doing this recording. So I was like, oh, she slides in perfectly to the the friend episode. So I'm part of Rachel's book club. She also has a, um, a sacred business circle, which I have um, become part of since doing this interview and getting to know Rachel in this hour or so that you're about to hear. So you can already tell you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time meeting Rachel. I did the first thing I say in the interview is like, oh, this is going to be good. (laughs) Rachel is amazing. And the headstrong, like the, what was it? Strong headwinds, you know, that she just pushed into in life and just achieved, achieved, achieved. It's going to be incredible for you to hear this story. Like, I hope it inspires you. This this is going to inspire you. I'm not hoping. It's going to inspire you to dive in. Dive into that, you know, idea you've had and the itch that you've had and the the calling that you've had to go after that business or that dream and to do it big. Like, Rachel, I'm assuming, has never had a problem. <laughs> with with playing small and maybe she did I, I shouldn't make that assumption but like Rachel what I can take from you in the hour that I, I interviewed you is you really just took up space and took up presence and took things that you wanted to do your ambition seriously that's what it is you took up space and you took your ambition seriously and you were a young woman venturing into the business world and it's fucking beautiful. Okay, but before we go and meet Rachel, let's go over a couple pieces of business. One, there is merch for the show available on my website, which is LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E, society.com. There's a whole section of merch, like t-shirts, hats, koozies that say, relax, it's LaCroix. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I'm often walking around with a can and I see people like side. I'm like, just calm down. All right, calm down. It's just water. Like grocery shopping. That's a good, that's that's when I get the most like, is she drinking while she's grocery shopping? <laughs> no, it's fucking water. I'm hydrating. So you can get, I have one right here in front of me. That's reminding me, relax. It's LaCroix. That's so great. So there's merch and I am tickled. I'm tickled. Every, every week there's like a new, there's a new review and there's so many gnomes that have received their hats now running out in the forest. They were just little gremlins and then they get a hat and then they, they become a gnome. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I've been talking about it. I'll, I'll go over it. I'll just go over it real quick again. Every time you rate the show, a gnome gets its hat. It's my version of an angel gets its wings. <laughs> so go rate the show, review the show. Um, and let's go meet Rachel. You're going to love her. 
Good afternoon, Rachel. Hey, good afternoon. We are going to have a good time. I just know it. <laughs> so I asked people to tell us a little bit about yourself before we hear a lot of bit about yourself. <laughs> so what should we know about you before we hear your story? Absolutely. Uh, I am a massage therapist. I own a massage therapy company in New York City. And I'm also a business consultant, and I work with multi-passionate entrepreneurs to create fulfilling businesses by diversifying their income streams under one umbrella brand. And we'll get into that. Do you know what I do? <laughs> I'm serious. Besides this podcast? I, I don't know. I own coffee shops, and two out of three of them have laundromat. They're laundromat coffee shops, and then we just opened a new one that's a la- um, no laundromat, but coffee shop, and we're doing an all-day cafe, so it's beer and wine at night. We've applied for the beer and wine license. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, I know about different revenue Hell streams. Hell yes, you do. I was going to say yes, that's I exactly do. right. You know, and, uh-huh. and it's it, my my whole thing is that women are, we are so multi-passionate. We have so mm-hmm. many things that excite us and interest us. And mm-hmm. I hate when people are like, no, you have to only do one thing. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. not true at all. I'm a massage mm-hmm. therapist, but maybe I also want to write books and maybe I also want to have speaking engagements and mm-hmm. do, you know, write some journal articles and maybe I want to sell products and make cleaning products in my kitchen for our massage studios. Like I, I can do all these it. things. I need to connect you to a former guest named Samantha, who is a sex therapist and she's also an author. I love it. <laughs> she calls herself the sci-fi, sci-fi therapist. Ah, she's perfectly like you're talking about of like, I want to do this professionally, but I have this passion about writing. And frankly, I find that the most innovation happens when you have this overlap between two totally different Mm -hmm. things. The intersection of that is really where really cool stuff happens. Like one of my favorite people, Kasia Urbaniak, she is a former dominatrix turned Mm -hmm. women's empowerment business coach. And she teaches women to get what they want by using the same theory as being a dominatrix. As dominatrix. Mm -hmm. It's oh, fascinating. And she learned everything she knows by watching the dog whisperer dog training. <laughs> I love it. Man. Samantha, if you're listening, you got to reach out and uh, talk to Rachel because you are exactly her and her uh, her overlapping, you know, author. And she even has branded herself as a sci- sci-fi therapist like on TikTok. I love it. So we start the show off with these moments that can be big, can be small, you know, sometimes they're hindsight, sometimes you're well aware of it in the moment because there was a fire or a death or something like that. But um, I'd like to start with these just vignettes of a moment that you knew things were different and that your life wasn't going to be the same after that moment in a variety of different ways. You know, everybody has their own path and their own story, but what is your moment that we, you know, the just not this or this wasn't the plan or this can't be my life, you know, tell us about yours. So I've had a few of those. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think one that immediately comes to mind, which in retrospect makes me laugh, but at the time I just was crying hysterically. I was a cocktail waitress in lower Manhattan and it was a particularly gross night out. I was just, I got to my shift. I was feeling tired. I put on my heels and my stupid uniform Mm. and I was just, (laughs) you know, when you're in a mood and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to just shake this off and get into my business head and just knock out tonight. I'm going to serve these customers. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So there's something in New York City called SantaCon, okay, which is when a bunch of people kindly <laughs> put on full Santa outfits and then get really drunk in a bar and then go bar hopping starting uh-huh. in the morning all day long and then to the evening. Uh-huh. And this particular night, 
that I had been waitressing for a long time and I was already having a night, you know, and my feet hurt and I was tired. And this is New York. Our bars are open till four in the morning. So by the time uh-huh. you're counting out and cleaning up, it's like 435. So, you yeah. know, I'm, I get the, to the my shift. The sun's going to come up soon. Yeah. yeah. I get to my yeah. shift 8 p.m. in this headspace and about 15 minutes into my shift, which it was not that busy, in walks, literally, no joke, 50 or more Santa Claus drunk <laughs> people <laughs> dressed in Santa costumes. And in that moment, I looked around the room, burst into tears, (laughs) like put down my tray, walked into the bathroom, took a moment, Mm -hmm. probably a longer than one minute moment where I was just like, is this my life? Is this, is this, can, I can't, I can handle so much. I don't think I can handle this. I don't think in this moment I just, I'm so bitterly unhappy with this as a career. I am bitterly unhappy with where I've ended up in this moment. My feet are killing me and I just do not have it. So help me God in myself to serve 50 drunk Santas tonight. And I, and I quit and I cried and I was like, I just, I just can't do this anymore. And I changed into my jeans and hoodie and I told my manager, I am so sorry. And I never burn a bridge and I'm, you know, I am the most reliable person but I can't do this for you tonight. You're going to have to call and back up because I, I cannot do this. And I walked I out my, and I quit. I, you hit your limit. I love it. I, I just could not do it. I, I could not. I just could not do it for one more day, yeah. one more second, one more second, hour. One I just more, could yeah. not. So that was I the first it. moment I've had where I, I had an immediate epiphany of just, this isn't going to work this, anymore. This isn't going to do it. Oh, I love it. So now this is such a great like, from that moment, take us backwards. Like, what was your life? How, where were you? Like, how did you get there? Uh, like, t- let's rewind. Absolutely. Let's rewind and go back. So I am from Michigan, from Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. and a very mm-hmm. conservative family. And a, you know, you should probably marry your high school or college, mm-hmm. you know, boyfriend and, and mm-hmm. immediately build a family, which is what all my siblings did at 22. Mm-hmm. They were all married to their college or high school people, you know, and, and I was that person who I just wanted to be out of Michigan very badly. I, mm-hmm. I did not want to live in the suburbs and, mm-hmm. um, it was very important to me early on to, to get myself out. So I applied to art school in New York city. I had mm-hmm. left Michigan and because I was living in New York, it was so deeply expensive. I was doing everything under the sun. I was a nanny. Mm-hmm. I was a dog walker, <laughs> like I, you know, I worked in retail, you name it. I've probably done every weird New York City job, not every weird, but, you know, quite a few New York City jobs. And so at that point, I had gone to four years of art school. I was managing a photo studio before that. And I worked for Mary Claire magazine for a while. I was doing all these like kind of odd jobs, but none of them were full time. And I worked as an intern for three years for this photographer for free, unpaid internship, not even for Mm -hmm. school credit, just, you know. And he brought me on as his assistant full-time for about four months before replacing me with an unpaid intern. And that's Mm -hmm. why I was waitressing. Got it. So I was at this point in my life where I thought I had a career moving in Mm -hmm. the direction of the arts, but what I actually had was a waitressing job that I had just now quit. (laughs) Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is, there's a lot here, huh? <laughs> Why New York? Um, I think, well, a few things. It mm-hmm. was far away from Michigan. It was the school, I applied to a few art schools. It was the one that gave me the biggest scholarship is the real reason. 
But also I had a roommate in high school. So my senior year of high school, I got myself into a weird boarding school in Northern Michigan called Interlochen. That's fine art and performing art. It's not, when you think of boarding school, you think of like military style. This was the opposite of that. This is like Dead Poet Society. You know, imagine the literary nerds. captain, my captain. Yes, Yes. imagine like the, you know, these are kids who were bound for Juilliard and who Mm -hmm. were first chair violin, who were, you know, the, the, the top performers in, in fine art and performing art, which to me was a dream. So yeah. my roommate at, at Interlochen, um, she had gone to Alvin Ailey for college and she was doing summer programs in New York City. And she was from Michigan too, just like me. Mm-hmm. But she was talking to me every night about New York and we had a poster of New York on the wall. And it just, it gave me this really glamorized view of what living in the city was like. And then you got there. <laughs> <laughs> right? Then I got there and lived yeah. with, at one point, I lived with, there were six of us roommates in a three-bedroom in bunk uh-huh. beds. Uh-huh. It was it was very much like living in a brothel. Yeah, I was about to say, and the entire place was probably 750 square feet. Right, maybe? it was tiny. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and this was 2001. Mm-hmm. So this was three weeks before 9-11. I moved to the okay. city. Just to set the stage of where where we're at okay. when all of this is going on. Okay, so you're there for 2001. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just happens the September 11th happens. That's that's a interesting part of the story. All right. So what happens when you get to New York? You know, <laughs> and I was so New York lost. Goes crazy. I was just yeah. lost, and yeah. uh, I was 17 at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very young. I was taking my classes very seriously. I was very studious. I immediately clung to a very small group of friends that I made who I depended on to get everywhere because I couldn't navigate anywhere because I just was still very lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, when 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. my parents wanted me to come home and I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. flying in a plane back to Michigan right now. Right now, like, right? Yeah. I don't feel yeah. good about that. And, and I didn't know the city well enough to know how different it had become. I just knew True. that I wanted to be there and I right. did not want to be back in Michigan. Right. And it actually, it's interesting because I, I was crying about this the other night to my husband. Because this was my fear for so long, you have to work so hard because if you don't make it, you have to move home and yeah. you will have failed. Because I internalized yeah. that so deeply for so long, I actually looked up the other day and was like, I own a house I don't ever have to go back to mid. Like, I don't know. I don't ever have to go back there. But it like it didn't occur to me. I had to like tell that part of my brain, you're okay. Take a nap. We're good. You don't ever have to had, go home. You had to turn that off. That's a very real uh what's the word? Like uh, future tripping <laughs> that everyone in New York does. There's the I mean, there are even slogans about it. Like and the whole if you can make it here anywhere, you know, you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. There is a lot of pride riding on that. And that is no small feat yeah. that you have done that. Yeah. There's no I grew up about three hours from New York City. Um and I know a lot of people that went to New York. So if you're now 17, this is crazy. You're 17, you know, 9-11 has happened, your family's like come back. But you have this group of, did were the friends connected to your friend from no, you just made them all when you got there. Very cool. Um, take us back. Now, now how did things start moving forward? So I I stayed in New York. Um, mm-hmm. and I had a boyfriend at the time who I loved, my first real boyfriend. Uh-huh. Hi, Luke. <laughs> and I loved him. I was so in love. And I, you know, he was my first everything. And I just thought he yes. was the moon and stars. 
And uh, at the end of the of the year, right before summer break, of course, he broke up with me. <laughs> and I was devastated and I couldn't get out of bed and I was so depressed and I had to go home to Michigan because I had no other way or reason to stay in the city for summer. And, you know, I, I came home and I got like five jobs and I, you know, made it through the summer and I figured it out and mm-hmm. came back to New York in the fall, ran into him the first day back in the city. Of course. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, there she is. And I immediately was like, (laughs) burst into tears, you know. um, And I know you don't want to hear this, but oh my gosh, this is the height of Sex in the City time. I know. I know. I I didn't have HBO. I couldn't afford it. I didn't have TV, Mm -hmm. but I I was a nanny for someone who had HBO. So that was my Mm -hmm. favorite part after the baby went to sleep. I was watching Sex in the City. Yeah. Talk about romanticizing New York. You know, at the time you were there. Totally. And, you know, a, a couple of years go by, I, I had these various jobs, various mm-hmm. various things. And so this is actually where it gets quite interesting. My senior year of college, I took the subway home. And on the subway, I looked up and I noticed a cute guy. And I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to him, but I was like, I'm not going to talk to a stranger. I don't want to be that person. Right? Right. I'm not yeah. that guy, you know. Right. It's in New York. We don't talk to people on the subway. No, no. We you don't know. either in Massachusetts on the buses. Right. Same. It's not yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I looked yeah. at him and he looked at me and I got off at my stop and he continued on to Brooklyn. And then I immediately regretted that I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So I wrote him a Craigslist missed connection. <gasps> yes, you did. And immediately he replied. It turns out he was the year older than me. We're both vegetarian. We're both idealists. We're both very liberal, democratic, you know, shocker in New York City. How did that right, ever happen? Right. Um, was he from the Midwest too? He was from uh, He was from New Hampshire, actually. Oh, okay. Well, actually, okay. he had Just grown like, up in Queens, but then moved to New Hampshire. Here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah. he was fascinating. And we dated throughout my senior year until I graduated through the whole I'm being replaced by an intern ordeal through the whole mm-hmm. cocktail waitressing. And around this time, he said to me, I really want to visit my very best friend in India. His name is Syriac, and he's at Jerry University getting his master's degree in New Delhi. Do you want to go to India with me? And I was like, fuck yes, I want to go to India with you. That sounds like a blast. So we, it, you know, good timing, left my job. Right. Decided that was the plan. I think I tried to pick up some spare work on the way just to save up a little. Um, He moved in to like, you know, save on the rent. And Mm -hmm. and I got a subletter for for my time away and um, put everything in storage. And we got some backpacks. And as one does, we ran away to India with a man from the subway. (laughs) (laughs) How long were you in India for? We were in India for a few months. It was meant to be a shorter trip, but what we realized was breakfast was like five cents and lunch was 10 cents and we were living in this $45 a month apartment. And it was posh. <laughs> uh, it was not yeah. posh. It was, no, okay. it was very basic, but it was in a, ni- yeah. it was in a nice neighborhood. Um, we were there for like, let me say like two or three months. And from there, we went to Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We were just like on that train, you know? You're like, if we're here, we're going. And in Thailand... And I'll say, I grew up with scoliosis, which is where your spine is curved. I've had chronic pain Mm -hmm. since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And from carrying these heavy backpacks in Thailand, I really was like, let's go get Thai massages. In fact, Mm -hmm. let's go to Thai massage school. There's this tourist class that's like a week. 
So you can learn to give me massages. This is going to be great. I love it. That was my whole plan, right? But what happened was in school, they make you trade with different people. And he was actually quite bad at it. Nobody wanted to be his partner. (laughs) And everybody wanted to be my partner. And they're like, you're really good at this. And I had a background also in high school. I, I was in like a dance. I was into dance and stuff like that, modern dance. Mm-hmm. So movement came very easily for me. My mom is actually a professional ballerina. So oh, movement okay. sort of in our family. And yep. massage, especially with chronic pain, it just made sense to me. Like it clicked. Something yep. in me was like, it clicked. Because at the time, I had gone to photography school before. And I realized... I was applying to all these things and not getting them. And it seems like the people who are getting jobs just knew someone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just want to, I remember crying. I just want to do something I can feel good about doing and get paid for Mm -hmm. my time and have my time not be minimum wage because Mm -hmm. I had only ever made like $10 an hour before that. Mm -hmm. I just want my time to feel valuable. Mm -hmm. And when we were in Vietnam in Da Nang in this tiny airport, and this is before cell phones were really like smartphones. You know, yep, you had yeah. to actually look the at razor flip phone. Paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You had to yeah. map quest. You had to have a map quest you, printed out. You had to have stuff printed out or when you're yes. traveling, there's no way of doing that. You have to have like mm-hmm. trail or what is that? What are those things called? The guidebooks? Oh, yeah. Lonely Planet. Yes. Lonely Planet was yep. the freaking yep. shit. Love Lonely Planet. So yep. whenever you run into people who speak English, you're like, tell me everything. Where did you go? Like, give me your in-person Yelp review because like that wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we were in this airport on a delayed flight and I met three different people, which sound it sounds like a joke, but it's not. One was a massage therapist, one was an acupuncturist, and one was a chiropractor. <laughs> traveling independently and I was uh-huh. and I was fascinated and I'm like tell me everything about your career you know like tell what yeah. is it like to touch people what is it like to just tell me everything how much money do you make is it exhausting is it gross how do, how long is school and what's the weirdest thing you've seen right? <laughs> and the massage therapist she worked on an army base in Florida on people coming back on veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan Oh, very cool. And she was mm-hmm. doing this like physical therapy. She was working with a physical therapist doing massage mm-hmm. for injuries and recovery. And I thought that I've never, it didn't even occur to me that that was a thing. Right. That, yeah. Massage therapy could, yeah, no, I I honestly don't even know that either. It's cool. I'm, in my mind, massage yeah. was like at fancy spas, but she was like, oh no, you can work at a yoga studio, at a chiropractor's mm-hmm. office, at a PT or an army base. They have massage therapists, you know, in, in surgical modes and hospitals now. Like you're, you can be everywhere. And I thought that was so fascinating. And she said, you can even choose the population you work with. You can work with only pregnant women. You can work mm-hmm. with gymnasts and dancers. Like you, It's really a great field. Your time is very valued. And, and she's like, you know, and I just, I love working with my hands and I love that it's not a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And for me mm-hmm. as a, the reason I got into photography school was that I loved working with my hands and that it wasn't nine to five and I didn't have to be mm-hmm. in an office at a desk. And so it was just an immediate like, this make this just clicked. This made sense. Yeah. So I started researching schools and I applied to in New York, the oldest school in the country is called Swedish Institute. I applied to the school from Cambodia mm-hmm. and I got accepted. So we came back to New York after Vietnam and and I started school. Wow. And now how old are you? I'm 37. So at the time I was, I was- 22. Okay, I'd say, yeah. And actually, okay, so today 22. in history, I have 13 mm-hmm. years a licensed therapist. I got my license today, 13 years oh, ago. Oh, yay, we were meant to talk today. Yeah, Congratulations. and another one of those moments that I had was 
I got out of my state board exam because you have to sit down through this three-hour exam. Massage is not just like learning to touch people. It's also, Mm-mm. it's anatomy. It's, it's the study mm-hmm. of movement. It's what happens, okay, you know how to massage a healthy body, but what happens when someone has multiple sclerosis an or an injury right, or right. a disease or a nerve issue or um, scar tissue? So it, there's a lot that goes into it, pathology, neurology. And so this exam, I walked out of it and burst into tears because I knew... I, I had assumed I had passed it perfectly. I was I, I was off by one fucking question. <laughs> but, you know, I knew I crushed it. And I was like, I will never wait tables again. I will never have to because I have this skill now. Yes, and to me, yes. I was just like so relieved, just so happy yes. and relieved. I love, you know, so my husband and I have four children. And for a long time, we've talked about, um, and, and it, sometimes people don't understand, but we're, they're not, forced to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> we don't think that that's a requirement and um but that's not to say that we don't believe in trades. And we really wish that there was like the pendulum swung so hard when like when we were kids to college 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 prep college prep and it's still stuck in that. And I think there's little glimpses of vocational work, but everyone I know who is uh, <laughs> It's different than a previous generation, right? There is a lot of tradesmanship and then gig economy and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much more to learn about the workplace than just college. Exactly. And I <laughs> and there's so much more to add to a it. A million percent. And you know, I, yeah. I joke around with this with my husband, but I'm like, Noah's not allowed to go to art school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't yeah. want him going to like a college for the sake of you Agreed. Know, like just going to college. At the very mm-hmm. least have a gap year and work and travel. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do both. I would even profess, like, if your career doesn't need you to go to college, like, don't, you know, I have a, I have a degree in communications. I've never used it. Exactly. And frankly, you know, I mean, a year and a half at an associate's trade Mm -hmm. school for a massage Mm -hmm. made me profoundly more money than my four years at art school. Yes. The plumber, Daniel, my husband is always like, the guys who, you know, were plumbers at school. <laughs> well, he actually got a technical degree as well. Duh. Yeah. He got a technical degree and moved to California after you know, two years of, of schooling and, you know, made more money then than we've ever been able to make as entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but because he, he worked in the semiconductor manufacturing industry, much different than, you know, a small business. But we've talked about like, if, okay, if veterinarian, like sure, like that kind of thing. Yes, if you want to be a teacher, you have to have a degree, you know, all these things. But if you're on a trajectory where you don't like, just don't bother. Exactly. <laughs> and frankly, I've, I think, you know, it's an antiquated idea that you have one career and one job that you just work uh-huh. and climb a ladder. I don't, I don't think that that's mm-hmm. realistic. And frankly, I think it's dangerous because if you don't mm-hmm. have multiple revenue streams and something happens to your one, you know, that's a very precarious situation to be in, which we all little experienced. Tease last year. Certainly. Uh-huh. Certainly. So my father, I remember being in my 20s and he it was like a company man, if you will. He worked at the same place for 30 years. Uh, by the way, he did take a new job in 2008 and that wasn't a good time to take a new job for the first time in his life. Uh, <laughs> so his story changed. But when I was in my 20s, he had been at the same place since he was like 17 and he was just like, you've had more jobs in your life than I, in your 21 than I've had in my entire life. And I was like, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. I don't know anybody who got a job out of high school and they're still there. Yeah, same. I, not a single one. Yeah, yeah not the a, same. I and can't, my parents the same way. Like my dad was at that same company right. for his entire life. He gave his life and to that company. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they just don't understand. So 
Yeah. Tell me what, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Sure. <laughs> no, sure. So, you know, so for me, I got out of school and I just was so excited and I gave myself mm-hmm. a five-year plan, you know, mm-hmm. as one yeah. does. And I really thought in my first year, I'm just going to see where I can work and try. And by year three, maybe I'll have a private practice. And by year five, if I'm super busy, maybe I'll hire an employer too. But what happened was I did it in six months. <laughs> so I got out of school full of debt. Uh, Not a ton Mm -hmm. of debt because massage school wasn't deeply expensive at the time. But I had debt and I really wanted to just work. So I I tried working at a chiropractor's office and I liked how clinical it was and how specific you work on each area. Um, But I didn't like that it was like back to back to back for six hours Mm -hmm. in a row with cold paper sheets and it wasn't very Mm -hmm. relaxing. Mm -hmm. And the pace was exhausting. And so I also tried a couple days a week working at a spa that was very fancy but mm-hmm. to make any money, you had to sell a lot of products. Product, and uh-huh. again, it was like 50 minutes of massage. They claimed it was an hour, but it was really 50 minutes of hands-on time with only 10 minutes in between to switch over the whole room, change the sheets, wash your hands. And you know, clients never pop right off the table ready to go. They always take forever. So you only had mm-hmm. like a minute or two between sessions. And the pace was very exhausting. And the stuff they were using at the spa was full of chemicals and weird stuff. And I kept mm-hmm. telling them, like, look, here's an organic product line that's actually healthier for me as someone who has to touch this all day and also for your clients. And they just didn't care. They, I didn't manage up very well. They didn't want anything <laughs> to do with that. Yeah. Um, and then I also tried working for a yoga studio, which was much more my vibe, mm-hmm. but it was very disorganized and very dirty. And for me, those are, like, super gross, like... I remember mm-hmm. she didn't do the laundry on time and was like, oh, just flip the sheet over. And I'm like, I will absolutely not be doing uh-huh. that. Like, no, no, right, no. Yeah. not a thing. That's not a thing. That's gross. Yep. So I just remember thinking, I want to have a private practice, but I have no way, I have no money. I have no way of mm-hmm. getting enough money to save for one. And like, I just mm-hmm. felt annoyed and frustrated. And it's not like I started my practice because I was so passionate. I started my practice because I was like hating working for other people. Mm-hmm. It came from a place of being tired of feeling exploited and mm-hmm. feeling burnt out and just feeling stressed and frustrated. And mm-hmm. I was finally like, okay, I have time. I don't have money, but I have some time. So mm-hmm. I found a physical therapy office in my neighborhood and marched in and was just like, do you have massage here? And they said, no. And I said, well, your clients are more likely to come back for physical therapy if they're getting free massages. I'm a licensed therapist. I'll work for you for free two mornings a week. In exchange, why don't you let me use your space for my own clients? And they kind of looked at me like, who is this precocious 24-year-old? But free is free. So they were like, sure, go for it. Yeah, great. So (laughs) that was in May of that summer. Mm -hmm. And I had like 10 clients maybe who were friends of mine, really, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was, by the end of summer, I had 110 clients because all those people who were seeing me for 10-minute free ones were like, ooh, can I come back and get an hour? And I said, well, yes, you can. And I made these little cards. I like photocopied them at the FedEx store that were like $20 off your first appointment, new clients only. You know, And I was handing them a card you know, as I gave them the 10-minute massage. And if you know anyone who could benefit from my services, send them my way and handing them more cards. No. You know, And I realized... I was trying to get to one person at a time and that wasn't fast enough because I was also still working at the spa, you know, and, you know, just my time was limited. So I realized from marketing, I need to get to one person who's going to give me a lot of people. So I started doing research in the neighborhood and I found this high-end hairstylist and I asked her if she would trade me massage for a haircut, which she did. 
and then massage with for highlights. My hair looked great that year, which she did. Yes. And, yes. Um, and in the meantime, because I noticed like her posture wasn't good as she was standing and, you know, it's a very exhausting job standing all day. Mm-hmm. So after the massage, I gave her a stack of these $20 off your first appointment cards for her own clients. And she started sending people my way. And then I found a personal trainer, same deal, because those clients care about their health, they're wealthy enough to afford mm-hmm. training, and they're sore, which is magic. It's yes. like an immediate revenue stream. So I was trading yes. massage for training, trading massage for haircuts, for chiropractic work, like you name it, I was trying to trade for it. I love and this. eventually, I just got really busy with clients. And so by the end of summer, I was like, okay, I can't keep giving away two mornings a week for free. Mm-hmm. Can I rent space from you? They said no which is weird to me, but I found a space two blocks away. I'm still in that building 13 years later. Oh, wow. And um, I found a great space. And from there, I was working still at the spa because I was afraid to leave my day job, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was paying so much for rent for one little room that I thought, I wonder if I should hire someone to work while I'm working my other job. Right. So I did. Yeah. Which is stupid and weird and crazy. Yep, yep, but she but I, trusted I, me one day a week. We tried it yep. and then two days a week and she started getting people. And I eventually was like, okay, I only have this room for seven days, but what if I split it up into a morning shift and an evening shift? So mm-hmm. I could have someone work in the morning and I could work in the evening and vice versa. And then I hired a few more people and that mm-hmm. turned into a suite in the building with three treatment rooms. And then I took over two more suites in that building. So I built nine rooms and then I opened a second location and then a third and then a fourth. Oh my goodness. So when did you finally quit the day job though? In that? Oh, I did quit the day job lo- way <laughs> longer day, after I, I should have. But um, I think I was managing a team of three people and I quit. Okay. I quit finally. And then you were finally like, okay. I have enough to pay my uh, rent consistently. Yeah. Right. I've talked to uh, my friend who's a fellow podcaster about this, about um, entrepreneurship and how often that you're paying people more than you're paying self, yourself. Oh, just for everyone, years. If you're, yeah, if you're doing that, just let, I want you to normalize that for you. <laughs> like here, I'll tell you, um, Rachel's going to tell you, this is a very common thing. I remember years ago, um, a, a, an employee who's like a friend, you know, we just Facebook and Instagram, whatever. This has been more than 10 years. And she somehow got wind of this. She's like, wait, you pay people more than you pay yourselves? And I was like, uh-huh. And I kind of was like, yeah, and felt like, uh, you know. And now over the years, I've realized that's really common, everyone. Yeah, it's <laughs> massively common. Yeah because, yeah, because what you don't realize is your pay is actually what's mm-hmm. left after you've uh-huh. paid everyone else in the bills. Everyone else, yeah. yes. And yes. you know, and there's I- there's a book called Profit First that I'm actually reading in my book club. I have a business book club, by the way, which you should join if you want. Okay, um, it's I would love it's to. Free. It's fun every month. So this okay. month we're reading Profit First, and he posits okay. that you should pay yourself the profit of your business, like like internalize that, not just the profit, but also like your your own salary has mm-hmm. to come first. And then mm-hmm. the amount that you spend on expenses for things has to go down. Like that's mm-hmm. the account you mess with, not your profit, like not your take home, which is, your- you know, a challenging, a challenging supposition. <laughs> but what he, what he says is basically in the book that over time, what happens is when you look at your bank account and it's high, you start spending more thinking I have to grow more, thinking I have to spend more, you know, to mm-hmm. grow but then when you make less, those monthly expenditures haven't changed. Mm-hmm. And that if mm-hmm. you could run your business quite leanly in the beginning, like lean in the mm-hmm. beginning, that mm-hmm. you should still go back to that, not keep those expenses high while the profit mm-hmm. dwindles. 
and not grow right. just for the sake of growing. So this is something right. I learned for sure was my own growth has always been very slow and cautious because I'm so anxious mm-hmm. that I grow when I've raised our prices and we're bursting at the seams and it's time. Not, mm-hmm. I think I'll make more. It's it's sort of like a reverse of, probably if I were a better capitalist, I would have grown much bigger, but I was just like, okay, when we can no longer see a single more client because we are 100% book solid, then we'll open a second location. But so personally at this moment, so you are now, how long did it take you to open up like all these shops? I so imagine the first not. first one I had for yeah. a long time. Okay, that's a thought. Because uh-huh. I went from just one room to three. I opened up the third mm-hmm. treat, the three treatment rooms within my first year of graduating, okay. which was terrifying. But I read that book by Su- Susie Orman. Orman. Uh-huh. Young, Fabulous, and Broke. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, if you're starting a business, you can go ahead and dig yourself into a hole of debt only that you could get out of within a year doing what you're already doing. So I was like, okay, well, if I had to go back to waitressing, I could probably throw $1,000 a month at this problem. Mm -hmm. So I decided I could get myself into 10 or 12,000 of debt, which Mm -hmm. I got a 0% interest credit card. Don't recommend Mm -hmm. doing that in general, but that's (laughs) what I did. And so, Mm -hmm. and I opened three treatment rooms of which I rented one full-time to an acupuncturist to like slowly even ease into that. So it took Mm -hmm. me, it took me within a year, I had three rooms. And I think it was probably three years into the business that I opened the second suite of rooms, maybe a year and a half-ish after that, I got all nine rooms in their first location. And it took me, let's see, Greenpoint is five years old. So it took me, took me eight years (laughs) to open Greenpoint, the second location. And then quickly after I realized I was managing two locations, still doing massage, doing the social media, the bookkeeping, the cleaning, (laughs) the laundry, you know, hiring, interviewing, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. blogging, mm-hmm. networking, marketing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I realized I feel like I'm failing all the time. I'm spread too mm-hmm. thin. I'm just burnt out. Like, and I mm-hmm. hate this. And this isn't mm-hmm. why I got into this. Uh-huh. This doesn't feel very good. And I went on Lexapro because I was anxious and I was getting sparks of panic every time the phone made a noise because I was working seven days a week and we were open 10 to 10. It's a long hours. At 10 o'clock yes. at night, you know what happens? You finish the massage, the client leaves, and then at 10.30, I get the call. I think I left my necklace there. Yep. Or at 7 a.m., I get the therapist calling me. I have a fever this morning, and I can't come in and work, and that first appointment is in three hours, and I have to try to find a replacement or reschedule you know, a whole day of people to move mm-hmm. things around by the way. Yep. So I was on my phone and I realized like this, something's got to give, this is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is actually the tipping point where a business either fails because you're sick of it and you just give up or you mm-hmm. have to, you have to iterate because you're mm-hmm. drowning. I went to this woman, Victoria, who I love, who's a, a business mentor of mine and cried, cried, cried and was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do here. And she was like, I have this, business program. It's a little pricey, but you should join it. And it was a little pricey, but they did something clever, which is they pair C-suite women who are, mm-hmm. you know, in later on in their careers, call it fifties mm-hmm. and sixties with mm-hmm. new entrepreneurs who are mm-hmm. at that tipping point where I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for a whole week, we have their mentorship and they send us on all these meetings with different people 
with this C-suite person in our back pocket who's there to support us and give us advice and help us. And it was tricky because if you had told me at the beginning of the week, you're going to need to hire someone and it's going to take more than half your salary, I would say, absolutely not. Why would I do that? Not going to do it. But after a week of having a strong woman have my back, ask questions on my behalf, think about things and help me think about things, I immediately, innately in my bones understood the importance of having someone on the operational side of my business who had more experience, Mm -hmm. who could be strategic, who could take some of that off my plate, who could help me delegate. Mm -hmm. And I immediately was like, sign me up. I'm going to spend every dollar I have to have this person. (laughs) (laughs) So I hired my first operations manager and I loved her and it scared me. It was like taking your hands off the steering wheel. It was a terrifying Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) And I realized very quickly that I had the issue of micromanaging and that I needed to Mm -hmm. sort of start to cultivate ignorance to really trust her. So I said, you know what? I'm going to empower you, my front desk. If there's a problem and it's less than $50, go ahead, take care of it. I don't want to be part of the decision-making process because I had such decision fatigue. You know, when you own a business, you have all the little things, all the big things. There's so much on your plate that you have to think about. I don't want to have to make decisions about what brand of toilet paper we buy. You go ahead, take care of that. fucking buy the toilet paper for me. That water cooler breaks. I don't want to hear about it. Fix it or find someone to fix it or replace it. Tell me about it on Monday when we have our weekly stand-up. So when I started sort of cultivating ignorance and really empowering my people, and she Mm -hmm. helped me learn to do this, and really empowering Mm -hmm. her, you know, it just, it made such a difference. Um, And that's what really allowed me to open that third and fourth location was that I started to put a team into place that, you know, I'm, instead of me trying to do eight people's jobs, I let five people do those jobs and de- and really learn to delegate. I want to know at this time, what is going on in your personal life? Um, Did you have one? <laughs> not much. And yeah. you know, it's so funny. I learned actually something kind of magical happened. So I had been in lots of therapy mm-hmm. and I learned that for me, I also was having difficulty trusting in my romantic relationships because mm-hmm trusting myself, trusting my partners. I was very insecure. And I think I saw my parents have sort of an unhappy marriage where my mom was a homemaker and my dad brought in all the money. So if she needed anything, she had to ask permission. If she wanted to Mm -hmm. go anywhere, if she wanted to buy something, you know, and she felt very trapped in that relationship because of Mm -hmm. those things, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was very Mm -hmm. important to me to be fiercely independent, to never have to rely on anyone for anything ever, you're never going to ask. Never. Yeah. I could do it myself. Never. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Forget delegation. Uh, uh, I couldn't even ask, uh, uh. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So with relationships, I think I, I had met some some fine people who I probably scared off. And I mm-hmm. met some not very fine people who I dated way too long, like, longer than uh-huh. I should have. Uh-huh. I met some very interesting people who were probably narcissists in retrospect. Mm -hmm. The most Mm -hmm. charming, fascinating ones always are. Aren't they? Mm -hmm. And I felt very alone for a lot Mm -hmm. of it. I felt very alone because I wasn't allowing myself to be vulnerable or really seen. And -hmm. if you would have asked me then about, do you have faith that you will find someone to be a life partner? I would have said, probably not. Like deep down, probably not, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that changed for me was when I started to trust people at work slowly mm-hmm. and surely and ask for help and become more mm-hmm. vulnerable, 
it sort of started to creep over into my personal life too. Oh, no way. Like it was sort of like, I can test this out at work. And then when someone responded in a way that was very trustworthy, I felt so held Mm -hmm. in it. I just felt so cared for. And I was like, okay, maybe Mm -hmm. I can try this in my personal life too. Just baby steps. Mm -hmm. So I got closer to it. You started flexing that muscle. Yeah. And then I went to this seminar and they had like a hippy dippy 20 minute gratitude meditation where you mm-hmm. are asked, you're sitting in a dark room and there's music, intense music blasting, like emotional music. And mm-hmm. you're asked to think about every area, you, every time you've ever felt love in your life from the time you're very young through the years. Mm-hmm. So the first time you remember feeling love, whether that's parents, siblings, pets, classmates at school, up through, you know, crushes or, you know, love with friendships, summer camp, relationships, high school, Mm -hmm. college, romantic love, sexy love, passionate love. And at the end of the 20 minutes, of course, you're sobbing, you know, because you're like... Remembering all these beautiful moments. You're filled up with with just all the times you felt love. Yeah. And what Mm -hmm. I realized was I have always had love in my life. I currently have Mm -hmm. love in my life. And of course I will have love in my life. It is ludicrous to think I will not have love. Of course that's the case. Yep. And when I started dating after that, it's not that I didn't date perfect people and immediately had beautiful relationships. It's that before, had I met someone and it wasn't quite right, I probably would have still tried to cling to it and make it work because I so wanted Mm -hmm. love and I wasn't sure if I'd have it. And so I was a little bit desperate and a little bit like, I'm just going to make this work even if it's not quite right. And after having that like transformational moment, as cheesy as it sounds, it was much easier for me to say, you know what? This isn't my person. We we don't have mm-hmm. values that align. And I know I'm going to have love, so it's okay. Yeah. Go off, be you. And within a few months, I had a date, a Tinder date with a guy. And he right away on the first date just said all of these things where I was like, he gets it. This is an yep. interesting mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. I was just telling my therapist that morning, all I want to talk about is business. I think I need to get a hobby or something. I must be very boring <laughs> for people. This guy literally did business development as part of his job. He was a lawyer at a tech company, but he also was the head of business development. And You didn't have to change. You just needed to find the right audience. <laughs> exactly. So we talked about <laughs> business development. We talked about ideas. We talked about our ambition. Um, he was like, I really want to have kids. Family is very important to me. I was like joking. I'm like, my ring size is three and a half. (laughs) I literally said that on our first date. On the first date, amazing. We're married and we have a kid. And (laughs) I thought that would be the rest of that story. Yeah. I mean, and he, on our our first year of, our first year of dating on our one year anniversary, he actually Mm -hmm. gave me QuickBooks, not QuickBooks, like a a spreadsheet of Mm -hmm. all of my, business projections for all the locations I was considering based off the QuickBooks data. He gave me financial projections because I hate doing those. And I was like, this is a guy who gets me. (laughs) He gets it. He gets me. I love it. Mm -hmm. As someone, uh, me and my husband made a 105-page business plan when we opened a laundromat. Yes. Yes. I'm your people. I'm so your people. I'm I'm holding my hand over my heart being like, oh, Rachel, I get it. (laughs) I had to hand over my QuickBooks to my husband um, when I like quit working when I was about to give birth to our third child. Mm-hmm. And I have like, I won't even look at it. I don't even know what he's done. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. So, yeah. oh, so here's, here's interesting. 
me has learned me who has learned to trust right who's, yes okay. who is now fully trusting in my operations person is now mm-hmm. like okay so i'm going to have kids and i need to be able to when i am you know on maternity leave really step mm-hmm. away and let the business do its vibe because mm-hmm. that's the plan me who's mm-hmm. terrified of the rug being pulled out from under her who's uh-huh. the most anxious catastrophic you know I joke yep. anxiety is my superpower because I'm always thinking of every bad thing that could possibly happen. And in fact, that's uh-huh. why I opened the second location because I was like, what if- Insurance. I was like, no, what if the first one burns down or they down. sell the uh-huh. building? Like, that's so scary. Right. Diversify. Then, then what would I do? Diversify. Exactly. Build a life raft. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being a steam steamship, not a life raft. But, <laughs> you know, so, so imagine me nine months pregnant and change- mm-hmm. Do you any day okay. now? It's coming. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know those days. And and I'm so happy that my ops manager is in New York to help. And she's like, I'm going to take a quick vacation to see my grandparents. I'm going to go to South Carolina, but I'll be back next week. I know you're doing three weeks. I want to take one last trip before this ends. So she's okay. in South Carolina. Reasonable. Uh-huh. And then COVID happens in New York City, where I own four massage studios and my operations manager is out of town and not coming back, and I am due. <laughs> so I lay off 48 people. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this life that I built, the security that I built, this business that I built mm-hmm. is the first time it's ever been closed other than a snowstorm mm-hmm. in 13 years. Mm-hmm. The person who's meant to be protecting me from all of the scary all stuff this. is out of town. And little did I know, not ever coming back. <laughs> and by the way, we're going to give birth now in a hospital I, that I, your partner is not allowed to come, says my doctor that morning. And you're going to okay. have to do it alone. And by the way, alone. I'm a person who had a doula. I did hypnobirthing. Like uh, oh, I wanted my support you, team. I wanted like everyone under the sun in that hospital room with me. Yeah. And now I'm yeah, going to have to do it alone. Are alone? you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Shit. A lot of, wow. oh my God, I've never been in such a scared, vulnerable spot in my life. That was a week. So the first thing we did was, mm-hmm. well, that's not happening. My husband is not missing the labor of our birth. birth. That's not happening. Right. We're going to go right. to Connecticut. We're going to figure something out. Like, I don't know what, but we're going to. And my doctor says they're turning people away at Greenwich Hospital because they're from New York. <gasps> Oh, because at that point it was like the New, the York, New York problem. problem. Yeah, and it was so I'm like problem. calling home birth midwives. I'm like, what do we got to do here? Like, I got to do are this in my bathtub. Like, what's the you know? Yeah. I wasn't yet. Are you okay? It, I was due the following week. Okay, but my but they had already announced the day before that one by one New York City hospitals were not allowing partners. And mm-hmm. the morning I went for my one, I had one more checkup my last week, uh, mm-hmm. and my doctor said your hospital has made the announcement they're not going to let. David come to the birth. And I said, okay, then we're going to have to find another hospital because I'm not doing this mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. So my doctor called around and he got privileges at Metropolitan Hospital, which is a totally different one that I had planned on. I hadn't toured it, mm-hmm. but I was like, that's fine. And he mm-hmm. said, here's the thing. Their policy might change. We don't know. Between so now and when you give I birth. I think we should right. induce you and I think we should do it right now. I think we should go there right now. Right. If you want your husband to be there. So we ran straight to that hospital. <laughs> I got induced, not part of the plan. You know, yep, I, nope. so much for my natural, you know. Uh, yep, there it so, goes. You know, and the best laid plans. And and so mm-hmm. I gave birth a week early on March 24th. 
to a very healthy 9.6 pound gigantic baby yep. <laughs> with a huge round ready head. Ready to come out. Ready to come out. <laughs> he was ready. It's good that I didn't wait an extra week. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then within a, a few days back at the apartment with a newborn applying for emergency relief fund, mm-hmm. applying for what would become PPP and EIDL and trying mm-hmm. to cobble together any sort of assistance for my business, knowing that we were about to be bleeding $26,000 of rent every month that we were closed indefinitely, mm-hmm. not knowing mm-hmm. if we'd reopen or when mm-hmm. or how, and mm-hmm. just feeling terrified and also being a new mom. Yeah. How was your anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, when you're not sleeping at all, when your life is right. falling apart and the and your neighbor is being carried out in a body bag because it was very scary wow. and very serious. Mm. And we didn't know, is this on our groceries and our laundromat mm-hmm. closed? And we didn't have a laundromat. And mm-hmm. New York was feeling scarier by the day. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. decided, we were looking at a house actually in Virginia. And mm-hmm. um, we put an offer on it and it got accepted. It was supposed to be closing in the summer in June, but we called the homeowner and said, hey, with all this stuff going on, do you think we could move in early? And he said, mm-hmm. yeah. So with a 10-day-old, we found one minivan in Queens because the government <laughs> commandeered all the other ones. Oh, We oh my put gosh. as much as we could in one minivan and we drove to a completely empty house in Virginia where I didn't know anyone and we didn't have anything. <laughs> and we ordered Casper mattresses that had been delivered, thankfully, but we had a mattress uh-huh. on the floor and that's it. For how long? It took about, took about three months to to get the furniture into the house because we mm-hmm. we ordered a bunch of stuff online. Luckily, we had some neighbors give us some stuff. We ordered mm-hmm. a couch, but it didn't arrive for like four months. So we had this like outdoor <laughs> couch that was like couch patio furniture. <laughs> I'm recovering. This is the other awful thing. So I'm recovering. I have stitches. I had a forceps delivery. It was really intense. And no one would see me because I was a new patient. So I couldn't get Uh a doctor here. I couldn't get a PT here. I couldn't. It was horrible. I was very depressed. It was dark. Dark time. Dark time. Super scary. Yeah. Are you still in Virginia? I am. We, you know, so we we were able to sublet our apartment, thankfully, in New York to Mm -hmm. friends of ours for a year. So we were able to get that sublet in August and they're they're out at the end of July. Mm-hmm. And we'll go back and forth now, you know, this summer. But at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't know if we would ever get back to the city. Mm-hmm. I left my family, my friends, my stuff, you know, 20, mm-hmm. I was in the city for 21 years mm-hmm. before leaving. And my business, you know, we decided one by one to start closing the locations permanently because we couldn't pay the rent on all four and the landlords weren't mm-hmm. being flexible. And I closed the, the most recent one that I had just opened six months prior. Mm-hmm. I closed the one right before that. And luckily I didn't have to close the first two. I was able to keep those because the landlords okay. were flexible. And I just had this decision matrix of like, yeah, is it ethical to even do massage anymore? Right what's mm-hmm. happening with my massage therapist? Because I was in contact with them, but I didn't know, are mm-hmm. they comfortable doing that? Like, did they leave New York? Did Are they still here? Do they change their jobs? Are they okay? How are their families? Mm-hmm. You know, some mm-hmm. had lost parents due to COVID. Some had moved mm-hmm. out of state. And I just had to be really in touch with my staff about like what's going on mm-hmm. here. And I took, a, I took it as a cue from them. If they wanted to work, I wanted them to work in the most ethical, safe place possible. 
I didn't want to risk that they would work for someone who wasn't taking it as seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what it came down to. And I took it, I took it as a cue from them. If enough of my people mm-hmm. were depending on me to reopen when it was safe, then you would then mm-hmm. I was gonna do it that way. Yep. And I was gonna have to figure it out. And so that's what it come to, came down to. I had 30 people who were like, you have to reopen. We need you. We're counting right. I on can't. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No pressure with a two-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, okay, then if you're if we're gonna reopen, then I'm gonna have to find another operations manager who's gonna be amazing. So I immediately mm-hmm. started searching. I found someone I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I had our other ops manager transition by remotely training her. I started researching what is the wire cutter New York Times top choice in-room air filter. What is UV filter we can put? What is the HEPA rated MERV filters for the HVAC? Yeah. What is the best PPE you can get on the planet? What is, you know, and I just basically like armed us like a little army with <laughs> all of these things. And when my people came back to work, they were so happy and so relieved mm-hmm. and so calm. And since being open, we have not had a single issue, not a single case, not a single transmission. Mm-hmm. We are so cautious and careful. And I'm so relieved by that because I didn't know if this was even possible. You know, like I didn't. Right. And I just kept thinking, I have to try it. I can't look back on this period of time and think I gave up. And this would mm-hmm. have been a natural period of time in many women's life yeah. when you have a new baby and you moved out of state, like, and you have a and husband a who has a pandemic. job. Yeah. You know, but talk about an identity. I mean, an identity crisis. I went from mm-hmm. being this, I have four locations and I'm, you know, I've built a $10 million company and I'm the strong mm-hmm. New York City business lady to mm-hmm. I'm living in a suburban house. I can't drive a car because I don't have a, you know, I don't haven't driven a car in 20 years. Um, 20 years. And I'm married to this man who's bringing in income, but I'm not. And am I a suburban housewife now? Like after 10 days of like- You're like, I ran from this. This is exactly what I didn't want. What I didn't want. (laughs) And, you know, with lots of therapy conversations, it was also like, Mm -hmm. but how held do you feel in this moment? Because you- you built a safety nest, safety net and mm-hmm. nest, in fact. Like you yeah. you have mm-hmm. this partner who loves and supports you and wants you to get back out there and knows you're ambitious and will mm-hmm. will have your back. Just like you would have his back if he lost his job. Of course I would. Yeah. Yep. You know. Wow. So how long were you able to like how long did you have to stay closed? Like, we what, were closed again? March, April, May, June, July, and August. We were closed for six months out of the year. Okay. And you know, it's funny when you apply for these loans, they're like, did you experience a 25% reduction in any yeah. quarter? And I was like, homie, we went from hundreds of thousands I, of dollars Q, Q2 of last year uh, to $1,012 from someone who bought a package and was being kind right. and bought a candle like, or something yeah. <laughs> like on the internet. You know, Homie. <laughs> I'm like, did we lose? To be lose? talk about like a 99% reduction of business. Like, uh, yeah. Like, talk about like, yeah, catastrophic. 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 Yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, it's been six months since then. What has happened? What has happened? So tell me. You know, for me, when all of this was going on, and this is one of the reasons I love the concept of being a multi passionate entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. is that I never just had the massage studios. And this is also running in the background. I've always had a little bit of a side hustle, which mm-hmm. is when I started my private practice, a lot of my classmates from school were like, Rachel, how the hell did you do this? So mm-hmm. I would sit down over coffee and a hundred lattes later and being way over caffeinated, um, <laughs> I started realizing I'm speaking to their friends and their friends about how mm-hmm. to start a business. 
and how to grow and how to hire an employee and basic stuff that for me, even though I cried every step of the way doing it, after the mm-hmm. fact seemed like, oh, this was easy. What was I crying about? Mm-hmm. QuickBooks is great, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love QuickBooks. I love QuickBooks yeah. so hard. You know, I, I realized I have to start putting a boundary on my time and not trading coffee and actually charging. Mm-hmm. So I had mm-hmm. my website. It's called wellnessbusinessconsulting.com. I put that up on a Squarespace, you know, in, in an afternoon and did my SEO magic because I love a good search engine optimization, <laughs> right? And yep. um, and suddenly was getting on the side just a slow trickle of massage therapists and acupuncturists and psychotherapists. I got a tattoo shop because I guess the principles of business are pretty similar. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I started just like regularly on the side seeing consulting clients. And what happened mm-hmm. when this happened with my business is that everyone else went through the same thing and they were all calling me at once. What are you doing? How are you reopening? What should I do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. I'm figuring yeah. this shit out for myself. <laughs> but as yeah. I figured it out, I started building my confidence and talking to them about, here's what your reopening protocol should look like. Mm-hmm. Here's the safety checklist that you should have. Here mm-hmm. is the, you know, here are the applications for the grants that I've found and the the mm-hmm. loans that I've found. Here are the resources I'm using. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, as my massage business declined and was closed for five months, my consulting business started rising again and getting busier mm-hmm. and busier. And I found that Every time the baby took a nap, instead of napping, which is what you're supposed to do, by the way, mm-hmm, instead of I doing know. that, I was writing and journaling and trying to remember mm-hmm. who am I? Yeah. You know, like who am I? And and it makes me emotional because mm-hmm. it helped me remember my identity. And yep. fifty thousand words later, I turned it into a book. <laughs> it's called Massage MBA, Run Your Practice, Love Your Life. And it's mm-hmm. all about how to start and grow a wellness-based practice from the ground up. And it's a lot about mm-hmm. my own journey. And it's about, I also interviewed a whole bunch of other people for their takes on it. And writing this, even if nothing came of it, just writing made me feel myself. It made me feel grounded. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I was like, this is a book. I'm going to self-publish it. Amazon KDP, let's just figure this out. And yep. in launching the book, I started seeing a lot more consulting clients. And so that part of my business has really blossomed. And, you know, in the meantime, my massage studios have reopened and they're doing exceptionally well. People are very stressed. It's a great time for business. Right. And I just keep thinking, you know, even though I lost half of my business locations, there's about to be such cool real estate on the market and it's cheap right now. Yes. And yes, commercial real estate exactly. is cheaper. Right so I'm like, there's there's got to be an opportunity. Maybe I'm going to buy another small business. Maybe I'm going to branch out and to do something totally different. Maybe I'm going to work with more consulting clients and develop a course or a group coaching. I don't know. I haven't mm-hmm. figured it out yet. But I know that I feel more myself. I'm past most of that postpartum depression that I had been feeling. And it's mm-hmm. hard to say how much is COVID, how much is postpartum, how much is life changes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you can extrapolate that. Like that's, it's all going to be multidimensional in, in your experience and your memories. And um, I can't wait for when your baby is like 18, you'd be like, okay, so let me tell you about this. Oh my gosh. So then, <laughs> so then he said, if you want to have this baby with dad, we got to go right now, you know, yeah. and just like, and trying to explain what New York was like then. And just like, well, there, I hope there will be movies. I'd be like, this this was real. That wasn't real. You know. Yeah. What yeah. 
what a freaking time. What a time. Life. I know. <laughs> I know. Was. You know, yeah. and it just, at the end of the day, for me, what was important is just, you know, you, you want to build a life that you don't need to have a vacation from, mm-hmm. you know, and I heard someone say the other day, if you relived yesterday, every day for the next 10 years, what would your life look like? Mm-hmm. And I started extrapolating what would my body look like? What would my relationship look like? How would my mm-hmm. parenting look like? You know, would I, how'd my mm-hmm. business look? And mm-hmm. I realized yesterday I woke up and I worked out really hard and I took the baby on an hour and a half stroller walk before my first appointment. And I saw some consulting clients and I spoke to my, my business ops manager and I chatted with a girlfriend at some point in the afternoon. Um, I didn't eat very, I ate donuts and pizza, if I'm honest. Didn't <laughs> eat very well. Probably could have, probably could have made better dietary choices, <laughs> you know, but you know, and I, I had a cuddle time on the couch with my husband and we did our, it's called, um, what is that game called on the iPad? It's like when you have this honeycomb with all these letters and then one letter in the middle and you pick the, you my, pick out words. My dad does it's that. It's cheesy, yep. but it's spelling bee. <laughs> yeah. It's called, or spelling yep. bee? I don't know. I forget. It's some, Something some like stupid that. game that we play to like calm ourselves down before bed. And I realized, you know, like if I relived yesterday every day, I'd have a good relationship with my kid. I would feel pretty mm-hmm. strong in my body. I would have a pretty good marriage and a pretty good business. And I felt like I probably wouldn't have many friends because COVID. <laughs> I haven't hung out with my girlfriends in a while. But, right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like, I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd be okay. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I feel like it. And I always want to say though, in anything else that you that we didn't cover that you want to, you know, make sure people hear from you before before oh, I have fun questions at the end. Oh, tell me the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's my that's my spiel. Yeah, I think I've, you know, for for me, so the thing that really lights me up, the reason I got into massage mm-hmm. in the first place is I love helping people. Mm-hmm. And I recognized so many of my clients had so many interests that were so diverse, and I love working with women who want to do all the things who are like, Mm -hmm. you know, so for me at one point I went to perfumery school also, and I went to aromatherapy. I took my certificate in aromatherapy and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I make products for the business, but I also wrote this book, but I also teach and I also do, you know, business consulting. And I think I really like working with women who want to build these big multi-passionate careers under one umbrella brand, you know, to, to house them under one place. And so if anyone out there is looking for that kind of health, uh, I'm your I'm your BFF. Reach out. Oh my gosh. Um, well, before we do the question, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Then, oh sure, right find here. me on Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> my it's Rachel Bider. Rachel B E I D E R. Okay. I'm on the Instagram. Yeah, that's where on I'm at Instagrams. most of the time. <laughs> cool. All right. Since you brought me right to that, I was like, well, let's do that now. <laughs> and of course, everything is linked in the show notes. So if you don't have to rush to a pen to be like, oh, I got to reach out to Rachel because my my dog walking yogurt shop needs some, you know, I want a coffee shop with dogs. <laughs> oh. Cups and well, pups or something. So let me tell you something in my experience in the restaurant industry, you can't have pets where there's food. Oh, I know, but you could have an outdoor okay. space, like a backyardy oh, okay. vibe or something. I don't know. Yes. Or a coffee yeah. cart. Oh, there are, oh my gosh, there's so many of those in Austin. I was like, what if you um, take a coffee cart mm-hmm. to a dog run? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, I think that's in Austin for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was your first car? It was a 91 Plymouth Acclaim with individual oh. rolling 
windows and individually locking doors uh-huh, that uh-huh. I realized once while I was driving on the highway, if you pull the keys out, I was playing with the keychain, the car still ran. Went. So all you had to do is actually physically turn the the mechanism uh-huh. without putting the key in and it turned on. And I drove that car for approximately three months during the summer between my senior year and my going away to New York. York. And that was the last time I've driven ever again, pretty much. (laughs) So I stopped driving after that. Amazing. How old were you when you got your period? I was late. I was 16 and a half, I want to say. And I... Oh, yeah, you were late. I was very late. Mm -hmm. I think, if I'm honest, I was so anxious Mm -hmm. from childhood and into my teenage years and I I didn't eat enough. It's not that I was anorexic or bulimic. I just, I don't think I ate enough. Mm-hmm. And I was very not athletic. And I was just very mm-hmm. skinny and scrawny and always kind of little. And I wonder if I delayed having a period because I was underweight or something. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. I've talked to quite a few women. I, I, my friend was 16. And that's definitely the latest that I've heard. Yeah. This is my friend. What's the last book you read or what are you currently reading? Yeah, so I am I'm currently I always read um a fiction and a business or at least a very mm-hmm. delicious nonfiction and a business <laughs> book. So um because of my monthly book club that I'm made, I am reading mm-hmm. Profit First. Yep. I don't know mm-hmm. if I like it yet. I haven't decided. I'm not gonna plug it yet. And then I'm also reading a memoir by Le- Michael Levitin called To Be Honest, which is hysterical. Oh. And it's okay. about, he was raised in a family where honesty was the priority and, and the norm. And he had all of these fascinating, distressing conversations over the years because he was being way too honest, uh, like at <laughs> job interviews, on dates. And it would put him in all these very uncomfortable situations where he was being honest in the classroom with teachers. And um, it just, it made him a very contentious, interesting probably obnoxious, but hysterically funny <laughs> character. So that that's a wonderful uh, memoir called To Be Honest. Okay. I love a memoir. Like I love memoirs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm, I and right before that, that, I had just finished Becoming, Michelle Obama's Becoming. Yes. Yeah. I, I did that one on audiobook. Yeah. I have, uh, anyway, <laughs> I've got my stack over here. Yeah, I have my stack right here too. It's <laughs> yeah, like, if I look at all the books, I also- Books over here. Yeah, the, there's the <laughs> next one that I want to read is called The Book of Beautiful Questions. There's also The oh, Art of Possibility. Beautiful. Yeah, I've got a big, yeah. big stack. Uh-huh. I got my RBG. Uh, RBG. <laughs> my friend yes. gave me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, the Harry Potter number five that my 10 year old and I a long time ago, we used to read it. I don't know. Love it. Yeah. Cilantro? <laughs> yes or no? Absolutely. It's growing in my garden uh, right now. Oh, lovely. When you go out for a latte and you are doing your consulting that you're not doing anymore, you're, you're doing it as a business. But when you did... You ordered a latte. What kind of milk did you get in it? So I'm lactarded, which means okay. that I need, uh, I like oat milk. I love Oatly. Yes. I freaking love Oatly. Okay. It's changed mm-hmm. over the years. I went with soy when soy was the thing. Mm-hmm. Then I tried mm-hmm. rice, but it was never thick enough. Rice is very it's thin. It's just very yes. thin. And uh, I, I like almond milk and I like coconut milk, but Oatly has my heart. Oat milk is my mm-hmm. vibe. So I'm celiac and you got to be careful with oats. So I avoid the oat. Yeah. I mean, some like I think Oatly is one that that says it's um, certified gluten free, but the ones we have at our shops, which is so ironic because we have carried this barista series, they won't put that it's certified gluten free. It's probably it's in the processing. Oats are gluten free, everyone. Yes, mm-hmm. I know, but it's in the processing. So anyway, I don't really get oat milk because 
Anyway, I was going to say Elmhurst um, makes some really beautiful nut-based milks that are awesome. There's like a hazelnut milk I got really into for a while. Yeah, we have a whole brand of them and we love them, but they, for some reason, they don't have a gluten-free oat one. Mm. Yeah, we have uh, coconut, almond, oat, soy, we had hemp for a while. I mean, tons of them. Yeah. Tons of them. There's always a new milk. They're macadamia, pistachio, I just heard. Did you know they're making pistachio milk? I freaking love pistachios. I don't know about milk form, but I like pistachio ice cream, so. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Always with the milks. We're always milking something these days. Can you drive a standard transmission? I can't drive anything. Could you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I could. I just, God help whoever is in my way. Yeah. <laughs> I need to learn to drive. Here's the irony. Mm-hmm. I still have my license because um, Michigan was renewing it by mail. Joke's on you. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> New York renewed it. And so I was. I, I have my driver's license. It's just not safe for anyone involved for me to actually drive. And it was on my goal list of last year, um, learned to drive, but then COVID, you know, sort of got in the way of taking driving lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Then it became more like, forget it. Nobody's going anywhere. So I don't even have a car. What's the point? Yep. I think we talked about it briefly, but I'm not sure. Their family of origin, obviously. Uh, Where are you in the birth order? I have an older sister. Mm -hmm. Then there's me. Then I have Mm -hmm. a younger sister. And then my mm-hmm. parents adopted three children from Ohio. So I have another younger sister and two brothers and they're all related. So I am the oh, wow. second of six. Six. Yeah. I love it. What was your kindergarten teacher's name? I had two. I had Mrs. Fine and Mrs. Hotchberger. <laughs> that sounds like a show, like Fine and Hotchberger. <laughs> like, like a like law firm. A cop. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. A law firm. <gasps> yep. Like the Golden Girls meets uh, with some, some lawyer, uh, lawyer show. I love it. <laughs> What's your middle name? Faye. F A Y E. All right. I that's that's my 10 fun questions at the end. I just want to remind everyone that your rates and reviews of the show help me reach new listeners and I say this every week at the top and at the end. Um because it's the only way is the rating and the reviewing of the show. Like I've said before, like I I can build an Instagram, you know, a whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Y'all can follow me on Instagram, but that doesn't mean, you know, people can't find the show based off that. So in the listening apps is when it's super important to interact with the show. So I just like to remind everyone all the time, constantly. And thank you so much for your time and your story this week, Rachel. It was a blast. I thanks really for having it. me. Of course. And everyone else, um, thanks for joining us and giving us your time. We're, I'm so grateful for it. And let's meet here again next week. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense Played, and no one knows how well.